This is a HeadGum Podcast. This is why, this is why. Pop culture, politics, friendship, dating, work, parenting, news. This is why the podcast. Welcome to the This Is Why podcast. I'm journalist, author, and comedy writer, Laura Lane. And I'm author and editor, Angela Sparrow. We are the co-writers of the book, This Is Why You're Single. Every week we give best friend advice on topics including pop culture, news, friendship, dating, workplace dynamics, parenting, and whatever else is on your mind. People, this week's episode is our 300th episode special. It may sound like we have quite a crowd. As we should. It's a very big deal. Uh, but, wow, that sound cue is always way too long. Um, <laughs> but, uh, nope, we're still we're still remote, which makes me kind of so sad. It's been like a year of us figuring out how to do our podcast remote. And I can't believe that for our 300th episode, I still don't get to see your face in person. I just see your face on my screen in front of me. It's actually going to be weird to see you, to, to record in person again one day. But I'll I hope like, one day soon. But it's going to be weird. I'm not going to know how to act around you I'll or like, anyone. How do I do this? I know. I saw if I see anybody, like, I'll just, I literally will, like, chat their ear off. I'm that person that is like, sorry, I don't see a lot of people. Oh, I just. Be my, be my friend. I, be my friend. I talk a lot. <laughs> Anyways, um, it's our 300th episode, which is so cool. You might notice on your iTunes app or like the app on your iPhone, it might say it's episode 299 or or no, it might say it's episode 301. It's off by one yes. number. And it's this weird thing that we discovered where they they just like missed a number. Remember that? It's yeah, I was going to say did we ever get to the bottom of why that happens because yes, they missed We the thought we were wrong, but it's actually iTunes we is wrong. We spent so much time checking. We were like, "What? How are our episodes numbers off?" And we're like, "No, iTunes just like I can't remember if they skipped. We're going to get to the bottom of it." But um <laughs> the point is we're right. We're right and this is our <laughs> 300th episode and we're positive about that. So uh, yeah, it's our 300th episode. We are going to be diving into the mailboxes always though. Uh, this week includes a fan with a foot fetish and another listener who wants some pandemic advice. Then we're talking about what's in the news, why what you do is not who you are, and about the weird people that are still buying VHS tapes. But first, Angela, how have you been doing this week? I'm good. I mean, like we were kind of saying, we're getting out there and seeing people more now, like the end of the last horrible year is in sight. And most importantly, more people are getting vaccinated. I'm not vaccinated. Joe Biden says I could be by May. Yeah, we'll I think everybody will be by he's, May. Well, everyone will be eligible by May. I will be very surprised uh, if if I think it's going to be like Hunger Games to get an appointment. But um I uh both my parents are vaccinated, which is really exciting. Both of Ian's parents are really vac are vaccinated, which is exciting because those are the four people I've been most worried about. Um, and the other person I've been most worried about is Ian. And surprise, he was able to get he's half vax now. How is Ian able to get vaccinated and not you? So Ian You're the one qualified. that's been having health problems for the last like year with your tummy tum. Yeah, but that doesn't qualify you for a vaccine. Mm. And in fact, I have to say. 
Uh, the system is working if I am the absolute last person in line because <laughs> in addition to being like a relatively able-bodied young person, I go nowhere. So like there really is no rush for me to be vaccinated. All right. Fair enough. Very, very fair. Um, How was Ian Pai able to get but, vaccinated? So Ian qualified because of his BMI. Uh BMI, a controversial thing outside of vaccinations, because it's not really, they say, an indicator of health one way or the other. But uh, if your BMI is 30 or higher, you are considered obese by the CDC, and that is a comorbidity. And I will say, like, I have been much more worried about Ian throughout the last year than about myself, because it is a comorbidity. And uh he initially wasn't going to do it because he was a little embarrassed. And I was reading a lot about how a lot of people qualified because of their BMI and were too embarrassed to do it. But then there was like this whole movement to being like, you qualify for a reason. You should do it. Don't be ashamed. And like, maybe this will make the medical profession rethink the importance of BMI in the future. We can start having that conversation. There you go. No, no so, reason to BMI shame anybody. Exactly. So Ian is half vaxxed. Very exciting. Uh, it's weird. Like eventually he'll be fully vaxxed and I won't be and he'll be able to be in like, as he calls it, the the velvet rope section of life. Yeah. Um, you'll be there. I got vaccinated, you're vaccinated too. too. I got vaccinated as a pregnant person. It's so funny because when I first got pregnant early on, I was like, I'm, there's no way I'm getting vaccinated while I'm pregnant. I don't know. I just was like, you know, I don't want to put anything in my body. I was just very like, there's no way I'm doing it while I'm pregnant. I'll, I hope they, I, and then, but at that time I didn't think it was going to be a possibility to be honest. And right. I was more like, I pray that they will give it to me at the hospital while I'm like delivering the baby. Like I want it. Um, like I wanted as soon as the baby's out, maybe they'll give it to me at the hospital. But then things changed and New York State included pregnant women on the list of people that were eligible. And something just like clicked in my brain after a year of like so much anxiety and being scared to touch elevator buttons. I was like, I will do anything for a fucking appointment. <laughs> yeah. And I just started calling the the New York Department of Health hotline that was like booking appointments like 10 times a day, refreshing websites, like doing everything that I could to get an appointment. And um, I finally got one like on a Saturday morning. I called and I called first thing in the morning. And the, the guy was like, he was really nice. He was like chatting my head off. And I was like, oh my God. I'm like, he's just like, he wanted to just chat, 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 chat. He heard Rylan in the background. He's like, oh, how old? I've got this son, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, do you have a fucking appointment? <laughs> oh my God. But anyway, he's just like us. He hasn't spoken to people. He he's to people. excited to make a friend. But the chatting paid off. Like I was very kind back and I was like, I was like entertaining him, even though it was like seven in the morning and I was like in bed and so tired. And I was like, this guy just wants to talk to me. <laughs> but while he was chatting my head off, he was actually like, just kept refreshing, I guess, the page on his end. And at some point he goes, can you be at Javits in like an hour and a half? And I was like, what? Wow. And he was like, I just got a cancellation as I was refreshing the pages. And I was like, oh, uh, yeah, what? I'm getting vaccinated today. And I like literally like my eyes teared up. I was so happy and so full of joy. I was like, yes, thank you. God bless you. God bless us, everyone. And so <laughs> I got like a last minute appointment that day. And I was like, Nick. <laughs> like you need to take me to Javits Center now. And so we like got in the car. I went to Javits Center. I was like in and out in an hour. Um, and it was good because I I think like 
prior to making the decision to get the vaccine while pregnant. And I'm very much like, especially for pregnant people, like you have to just like, I'm not, I like do what's comfortable for you. You know, right. like, I, I think a lot of pregnant women, especially early on, were very confused about what to do. What well, the best thing because to do they was. were giving mixed advice and I don't, yeah. I honestly don't blame people. And honestly, when it comes to all this stuff, I feel like I'm a, I've spread out some of Rilo's like vaccines in the past and last year when I went to the ER and they misread my CAT scan. Like I'm I'm very much like be your own advocate. Like it's okay to question things. And the medical profession has like a history of telling women shit is safe, especially when they're pregnant. And then like there was this, I think it was like maybe the 60s. I don't know. It was, there was like this morning sickness pill that they told women that were safe that caused like deformities. Like there's a bad history of things being told that are safe for women when they're not. So I really don't blame women, especially pregnant women for questioning what people are, people tell them. And, um, and I can like relate to that. I, anytime I'm like at the doctor, if I'm feeling sick and they say, no, you're fine. I'm going to be like, are you sure I'm not dying? Because one time I was (laughs) dying and you told me to go home (laughs) and you told me that I was okay. (laughs) And I was not. A deadly infection was spreading. So I... So you have a healthy do- dose of skepticism. <laughs> I do. And especially with big pharma and the opioid crisis. So I have like a healthy dose of skepticism while also I feel like nothing in the world is black and white. And I'm so grateful for modern medicine. I like wrote a little post about this, but I mean, like nearly half of children in the 1800s didn't make it to their fifth birthday. So when, right. when you know, like... I'm so grateful that we have vaccines that have eradicated so many diseases that used to kill us and kill our children. So yeah, there is something to medicine. (laughs) Thank you, science. Thank you, medicine. So anyways, by the time I became eligible, it was, and I, I had another pregnant friend that is, she, she is a nutritionist who works actually in a hospital. And so she got hers first because she was like on the front lines and was working in a hospital with, with, uh, children and told me like, she felt totally fine and explained all the research she did and all the doctors she talked to. And, and, um, I was, I, Emily Oster is, I love her evidence-based newsletter. And I listened to this podcast that my high risk doctor hosts and he talked about, uh, it, you know, getting the vaccine too. So Anyways, I felt like by the time I was eligible, I had done so much research and talked to so many people that I was like, I like, I like, as soon as I became eligible, I was like, I want that appointment. Um, so, and yeah, I think just after my health scare last year, also, Angela, I was like, I'm like, I, I know how fucking scary it is to be like all of a sudden have your health one day and then be hospitalized the next day in the ER. And it's, it's terrifying. And I never, I don't wish that upon anybody. And I don't, want to go back in a hospital ever again, you know, sick and scared for my life. So needless to say, I was very lucky. I, the symptoms were not that bad. I had, you know, I took a nap, mildly sore arm. And yesterday I got my second one, Angela. I saw you, your Instagram, there was like live music. I wept. So there was live music. It felt like I was, it was like, oh, we're like, they had uh, like a violin trio with a piano playing like very calming music <laughs> but it was like in this just like booths and booths of people getting vaccinated it was like the weirdest juxtaposition it was like wedding 
music while people are getting like well there's like mass inoculation happening in the middle of a global pandemic i was like it is all very dystopian it was so dystopian i can't even tell you it's like this is what it was like to be getting in a lifeboat if you were one of those few people that got a lifeboat on the titanic and i feel like i'm one of those few people that so far has gotten a vaccine and is you know and and then the band is still playing (laughs) like i was like this is what that must have been like to be like i am going to be saved i hope other people will be saved soon too and the the band band was vaccinated and the band is played the band was masked i hope they got their vaccinations so um it was so dystopian dystopian is a perfect word yeah when i went with ian he was like this is like district nine because we went it was like a, a little tent set up and they were you know run by the military yeah very weird yeah um I thought maybe that day – because I've heard so many stories about people getting like on a standby line or like getting a cancellation appointment and, you know, the vaccine has a limited shelf life. So You thought maybe you could get it? So I did and like literally got shut down two set. Like I walked in with Ian and I was like, is there a standby line? Like I was at like a friggin' concert and yeah. he was like, no, that doesn't exist. And I was like, okay, goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs> but I, I even wore like a special sweater that has a zipper shoulder because I oh. thought I could do like the Dolly Parton thing oh, with the people's shoulder. Uh, but no. Did Ian get I'll a second? Save it. He will in a, okay. uh, a week or so. I was a little nervous about the side effects for the second. I mean, the side effects, you know, unless obviously, you know, you don't want anaphylactic shock, but anything other than that is like normal and it's just your body's immune system system but i was still like oh i really don't want to feel yucky and i heard that the second vaccine is what like really hits you and i was yeah. totally fine like my arm was more sore but i think that was less the second vaccine and more the person that i got to do it she literally like she didn't even say she like are you ready she just like jabbed it in my arm i was like oh <laughs> whereas the first one was this like very calm professional who was like here we go and it like I barely felt a prick and this person just took the shot and like stabbed my my arm but whatever I was like I don't give a shit I have the vaccine it's fine however it gets in my body great um my my friend who is a teacher uh she got sick from her second dose but she was like literally it was 24 hours like 24 hours on the dot from when she got it it she felt better 100 percent. like i felt a little funky and i took a nap and i put some like arnica which is like a homeopathic thing for like bruises and soreness i put Mm -hmm. i put some like arnica cream on my arm and it was honestly it was fine yeah it was no big deal i'm ready i can't wait yeah so that's what I've been up to. I can't wait for you to get yours too. I can't wait for everybody that I know to get theirs. Um, and yeah, I just can't wait to see my parents. All <laughs> it's right. It's going to be a fun summer, <laughs> I hope. It is time for us to jump into our mailbox, but first let's take a quick sponsor break. Hi, I'm Nick Vial, and I am the host of Vial Files, a podcast that one anonymous reviewer called surprisingly insightful and substantive. The Vile Files explores all things dating and love from post-breakup healing to salacious texts in our three weekly episodes. Mondays, I take calls from listeners from our popular Ask Nick episodes. Bachelor fans out there, check out my breakdown of last night's episodes on Tuesdays. And finally, Wednesdays, I have an in-depth conversation with some of your favorite celebrities, public figures, and experts. So tune into The Vile Files because relationships are complicated and we have a lot to talk about. All right, so we've got some mailbox questions, but before that, we have gotten a couple fun 
people who have decided to email us and we thought we would give you a little behind the scenes look at the this is why podcast mailbox and the shit we have to read. Okay. That is right. Go for it, Angela. Read what Rod sent you. So I got this message on my personal Instagram and, you know, this is just what it's like to live in this past year. We're like, we're grappling with our own mortality. We're just, we're all just hanging on by a thread. Then I'm like, let me pop onto Instagram, look at some fun pictures of people. And I get this message totally out of nowhere from, from this gentleman. He says, hi, Angela. Longtime listener of the podcast, I have enjoyed the rebrand to This Is Why. Uh, big fan of the book, too. I hope your 2021 is going well, despite, you know, gestures around everything. Writing to you because I am wondering if you are interested in selling feet pics and videos. Yes, just so we are on the same page, it's definitely a fetish thing. I would be thrilled if it's something you are open to. Just to give you an idea of what I have in mind, first and foremost, no nudity. You don't have to show your face. Plus, the type of content I like is pretty simple. Legs stretched out with soles facing the camera. Camera is on the floor <laughs> capturing you walking around barefoot. You are seated in a chair with your bare feet on the ground. Now, <laughs> now, where to begin? Why did I not get these? I mean, granted, I wear like sometimes a wide shoe, but and you have more of a slender foot. I'm offended I didn't get this DM also. I, what is it up with what is it up with like I'm kind of jealous of your beautiful feet. Here's the thing though. Like getting something like this, I'm not I'm not king shaming. If you're into feet, I don't give a shit. But to get this message on your out personal. of nowhere from a stranger, from a person who I looked at their profile, they follow like five people. One of them is me and one of them is The Rock. <laughs> they don't do they follow so, they don't follow me, do they? I don't think they follow Thank you. Thank God. And like, it's honestly, it's scary. Like I, that I, my brain, just so this, just so you know, Rod, because if you're listening, I appreciate the support. It sounds like, like at first I would just, dis- I would dismiss this as just like somebody sending something to everyone, like a bot, but like he specified, he knew who I was. He knew about the podcast. He knew about the book. So like this was personalized. Um, that is scary and to it me didn't- because you are a stranger. Did you block them? I blocked him immediately, and I hope he wasn't insulted, but I was really frightened. <laughs> did did it – and I'm surprised it didn't make you go private on your Instagram because you're not trying for, like, influencer status. And, like, I I was this am- – that was the first time where I was like, I need to shut this shit down, lock it in. I need to make everything private. Yeah, I mean, why uh, not? I mean, like, your Twitter, I get why you are not private because you make your little jokey jokes. But <laughs> – I know. But I your know. Instagram, I'm not like, making jokey jokes on Instagram. I should. Um, I actually, I cut off. He offered me. He did give me a rate, and it got cut off from this message. But it wasn't even a good rate. I just want to say the rate. Well, I don't know if I can find it. But okay, while well, you it, it find was, that, I mean, granted, it would not have taken a lot of effort for me to just take some pictures of my feet. So I guess, like, how much should I be charging? But right. like, no, I don't want to undersell myself. Like, I, how I, like, much would you want? If you were going to consider this. To know that a man was – and as he, you know, so politely said, just so we're clear, this is a fetish thing. So just knowing that he would be jacking off to my feet. um, (laughs) Obviously, like, I would need (laughs) $2,000. That's a steal. Starting. Starting price, $2,000. steal for your glorious feet. Um. But I would do like a bundle. Wait, I, I'm you know look, I'm not even going to get into the details because I don't want any other messages about go, this. Go look up and see how much Rod was offering you. 
All right. I wonder if that message gets deleted when you block him. Okay, I'm going to read the I next message have. while you try to look for that. Okay. okay. So this is more, this is not a foot fetish one because unfortunately I don't get those. Just kidding. Fortunately is what I meant to say. Careful um, what you wish for. This is from an email address that ends in sbcglobal.net. It's just, you know, like the Yahoo of email addresses. Subject writers write. My understanding from listening to you guys is that you would like to be writers for a quote, this is why you're single sitcom. If this is true, I would like to suggest another sitcom setup for you to try writing for. If this is not true, please ignore. I don't think anything will come of this except possibly honing writing skills. Please feel free to write or call if interested. Phone number. Okay. So people are so helpful. This is so nice to offer <laughs> this person who didn't give me didn't, didn't <laughs> zero leave their credentials name, zero credentials and didn't leave their name to offer to hone our writing skills i'm just confused we have talked on the podcast that about how our book was optioned for a television show shortly after we wrote it in 2015 our book was optioned by uh, a production company we sold it to the pop network which does Shit's creek we were supposed to shoot a little bit of the pilot. Last minute, it all fell apart. We never got to shoot the pilot. And this is after we took many, many an acting class and, yes. and wrote many versions of the pilot. Time was invested. Time was quite invested. Um, but it happens. It's hard to get anything made in Hollywood. It was really cool. It was a really cool experience. We got to go in a lot of cool rooms and pitch our show and... Uh, we embarrassed the shit out of ourselves in many of those rooms, but, uh, it was a cool, it was a cool, crazy year or two of our lives. You will not see that on. So we've talked about how we already wrote a pilot that we sold to a network. That pilot is not on TV. We then have talked about how the production company did not want to give up on the, this is why your single name. So they then pitched it as instead of a sitcom, it was pitched as a game show no yes. a talk show was first i don't know um, talk show was thrown out there also a game show anything you can think of there was also a period of time where um it was almost adapted into like a made for tv like lifetime type movie oh, I forgot not about written that. by us <laughs> i think it's just the title and like they thought somehow we like own the name of that which i don't know maybe we do i mean we have well, the, no, it was like it would have been based on the book, but not written by us. Right, right, right. right that right. was a whole other. Oh, I remember that. The like Lifetime yeah. movie. And I was like, sure, whatever. So basically um, it's taken on every possible genre. And not made For it. television. And not made <laughs> <laughs> And not been made into anything. So anyways, this person maybe may have like picked up on little bits of that history of the This Is Why You're Single brand of our book getting optioned, our podcast maybe getting adapted into a talk show, which neither of us wanted to do. I have zero interest in being a talk show host. Um, a game show was fun because I was like, okay, that could be like, if we could do like a cool, modern, not not offensive version of like a dating show, that could be right. like a cool thing maybe. And like, I don't need to be like in it. I would just be right. like- We would have been behind the scenes was, which was a big- Part of the appeal. A big part of the appeal. But anyways, none of that happened um, despite many, you know, two production companies and many a meeting. But uh, so this person maybe picked up on that. 
uh, my understanding is from listening to you guys, you would like to be writers for This Is Why You're Single sitcom. I mean, kind of, not really. Like, we just liked, we, we, I think we, we liked, gave it a really fair shot. I think we gave and, it a fair shot. Know, we already, if it was going to happen. We did everything possible to make yeah. it happen. If this is true, I would like to suggest another sitcom setup for you to try writing for. If this is not true, please ignore. So I'm trying to wrap my head around like what he's trying to get at. Another sitcom setup. So like he thinks we should write just a like totally a premise. a premise, which we also have done. We wrote a show called Fun Employment together. Yes. I mean, I would love to know if somebody is writing like this is why you're single fan fiction about you and I. Yeah. Like if he has an idea for a sitcom. Yeah. Write it. I would love to read it. Yeah. But and we're not we're not gonna write anymore. So I don't think anything will come of this except possibly honing writing skills. So he wants to help us write. I mean, I'm I'm trying to like analyze an email that makes no sense. He has no he lists no credentials. He or she, I guess, lists yeah, no I credentials. Know why I it was a he. And doesn't give their name. We never called the number that they left, but anyways. Um <laughs> Did you find out how much you were offered for feet? I couldn't find it because I blocked them. So the message is gone. But just believe me when I say not enough. I believe it was in like the $200 to $300 range. Okay. Um. So besides getting offers for foot fetish stuff and for honing our writing skills, we have gotten uh, some nice emails too, which we've read in the past. But this is one we got recently. This is um, – we did an episode on grief and we got a really beautiful email that – that like it's the kind of email that I will screenshot and send to Angela and be like, this is why we keep doing the show because if we can have any impact in somebody's life and make something difficult they're going through a little bit easier, then it's kind of all worth it. Um, do you want to go ahead and read it? Yeah. This is from Audrey in Austin. And um, she wrote, hey, Lauren, Angela, just wanted to send a quick thank you for your episode on grief. I put off listening to the episode for quite a while. It was released a few days before my dad died from complications after a car accident. Everything felt too fresh at the time to really delve in and listen to your advice. But now a few weeks after his death, this podcast episode was wildly helpful for me. I especially loved your perspective as a fellow, not religious, but maybe spiritual people um, and the discussion about morning rituals and other religions and cultures. It inspired me to let off the gas at my job a bit and take more time for myself. You two have been with me for several big life stages, and this was no exception. Thanks again. Keep it up. And that was from Audrey. So that was, yeah, that was an awesome message to get. We actually got a couple really nice messages about that specific grief episode, which was a really lovely surprise because I think that we get nervous sometimes talking about heavy more serious stuff. topics and yeah. yeah it's like heavy so it's good to know that like what we said struck a chord with some people and uh, and that it helped somebody through something that really like there is no clear answer on how you should grieve you know some yeah. people are very i don't know we couldn't listen to that episode, but yeah some people it's like it's so taboo in our culture and and forget even being taboo it's just that everybody has different needs when it comes to the grieving process so we really tried to find helpful suggestions and just talk about it from the heart and yeah that was a really lovely email um so on that note we have two actual questions for today what do we have Okay, our actual question um first up we have an anonymous question and she writes 
had to find appointments for vaccine oh, for my higher. No, no, oh, sorry. No, it was. No. Uh, oh, wait. Uh, oh, yes, 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 yes. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, oh, uh, sorry. She was asking me about my vaccine stuff. Sorry. I, I like did not <laughs> do a. I like just screenshotted the question. Um, oh, just start at the second part. Like, are you guys doing a pandemic episode? Yeah. Okay. All right. Are you guys doing a pandemic episode? Uh, I think a lot of people would relate protocols, the politics, family stuff, vaccines, work from home, and returning to in-person work like I am now as an elementary teacher being asked to go back without a vaccine and families that don't follow protocols. Ooh. I mean, so we've definitely talked a lot about pandemic stuff throughout the last year. I right. Every episode, <laughs> it's been like, even if we're talking about something completely unrelated to the pandemic, it comes up because it has just spilled over into every area of life. Yeah, I thought that this was good because it's kind of I figured I would use this as like a jumping off point for a question this week to kind of just talk more about the things she wants to know about specifically because, yeah, you're right, Angela, like it's come up in like truly anything we talk about, like dating, of uh, seeing family, like I haven't seen my parents in a year. But because I knew that we were talking about, like, I had gotten the vaccine finally and Ian getting the vaccine and your parents getting the vaccine today, I thought this would be a good, a good kind of jumping off point to kind of talk about some of the things she brings up. So she talks about, like, protocols, politics, family stuff, vaccines, work from home and returning to in-person work. So I personally feel like it's still a long way off. Like, I have my second dose now supposedly in like, you know, a week or two, I'll be more covered, but I'm going to have a newborn soon and they still don't know if I can be a carrier. Also, like if somebody sneezes and that shit is on your elevator button and I touch that elevator button and then I touch my newborn, right? Wouldn't I give my, like a baby? So needless to say, even when, before we were in a pandemic and I had a little baby, I had sanitizer in literally every every inch of the house. I had like 10 bottles out like everywhere you go. I was just so nervous about this like tiny little five and a half pound baby getting sick. And I didn't let any kid come within like four feet of the baby. And that was before pandemic. So needless to say, I'm still going to be ultra, ultra careful, even though we're fully vaccinated. Um, and I think even if I didn't have a newborn, this would still be the case because they say to still wear masks out, you know, indoors. I, I still wear it. I'm still planning to wear it outdoors. I don't plan to eat indoors anytime soon. That being said, um, I, my, my parents are vaccinated. Like they are going to come in probably like as soon as they're, they have like their immunity or maybe like a little bit after. And then I don't really know how to handle, they'll be in a plane, you know? And, yeah. um, yeah, it's so hard. Cause it's like, okay, they're safe, but then like, could they pick it up on route? And should I be scared about that for my children? Because they are not vaccinated, even if everyone in my household and my parents are vaccinated. And I really don't know the answer to that yet. Um, I mean, they can do – the rapid tests are not as reliable as the PCR, obviously. But you could have them maybe wait a couple days, take a test. Right. And then once they're there, they should be okay. Yeah. I think that's the thing is like – so one thing that you and I have talked about, Angela, is how different culturally things are depending on where you live. So like yeah. my parents are like, this is not changing our behavior, even though they're obviously going to feel safe to fly, which, um, but then like I have friends and family that live in Florida, which is like an open state and they're like out dining indoors and like just doing stuff right. that I can't well, even dream of doing for the next year. 
To so, clarify, you mean like your parents have been following the protocols and they're saying like even though they're vaccinated, that's not changing how seriously they're taking it, right? Yeah. Even when parents get vaccinated, they're still going to like – I mean I ho- they're, they're still going to like deliver groceries and like not really see a lot of people, you know? Yeah. Um, but there and, are other people in your family. But there's other people in my life that are that just have a different attitude about it. Yeah. And so I'm curious, what, what's your take on it? Do you have that same situation? I do. I mean, luckily, uh, the people that I most care about are vaccinated and also are taking it seriously. But I have people in my family who, like, don't want to get vaccinated, who the, – the funniest thing is when you talk to people who think they're being really safe and think they're taking it seriously, but you're like, oh, you're like – but you're going out and you're doing all these things. Um, And I think, I mean, it'll get easier from here on out because it's not going to matter as much because like, it's like, well, if you get sick, whatever, but like, you're not going to get my parents sick. So I don't care. You know? Um, I know. I feel like that's it. Like, but I have like one friend who was like, finally told me, she's like, I got COVID like early, you know? And I was like, in my head, I'm like, yeah, no fucking shit on your Instagram. You were like partying every weekend for the last year in Florida. Like, cause Florida's just been I mean, like an open state. What's going to be weird, I think, is like, aside from like the health risks, cause we're kind of moving beyond that, where it's like, if you're vaccinated, you don't have to worry as much about what other people are doing. But I think just like emotionally, yeah. that's where I'm going to struggle is like, there are certain people who I'm just like, I'm going to see you differently forever because right. I have learned how many selfish people there are. I know. I still don't know world. how to make of like my friends that are vacationing a lot. Like, like, or even I like can't fathom post- that. I can't fa- like, I'm posting about it and I'm like, so I'm like living vicariously slash. I'm so jealous slash. I'm like, you're a dick, but I, yeah, I don't really know what to make of it or I, it feels really like tone deaf, but I'm like, it, it's so funny that like going on a vacation and making a personal choice can feel like tone deaf to me at this stage when like there are vaccines and stuff. And I yeah, guess it's like at some and point. that is something that we're going to have to like train our, we're going to have to relearn how to like see something like that and not have that knee jerk of like, that's bad. You know, that's it's going to be weird. I mean, at, where it's like, that's not bad. <laughs> it used to be like, oh, you were a little tone deaf if you were like really, really bragging the way you posted your vacation pictures. If you were like, look at me, like, private plane like villa blah blah but then it's like I do want to know about my friends cool vacations you know (laughs) even if I was like oh you're like a little braggy and tone deaf I would still be like okay but like like show me that like patio again that leads out to the beach because it's under normal circumstances I agree although I will say anybody who's posted something like in recent times like that it just gives me anxiety and I don't want to see it because I'm like, well, what are you doing? What are you doing? Um, sure. Uh, meanwhile, I like I couldn't be at a more different emotional place. Like I am literally like talking to my therapist about like I haven't been on the subway in a year. And I, like I sh- literally like my goal for this week is to ride the subway. Not why? <laughs> and Well, because like, you know, to take appropriate measures, double mask, whatever, but just like to feel normal again mm. and like – I don't know. It's just a step towards like getting back to old habits. Yeah. Um, I definitely like – I don't know if I'll – yeah, it's hard. Like even being vaccinated, I'm like there's just certain things I'm not going to be able to look at the same. And ju- I think it's just now that I, I've become so aware of how illnesses spread, I'm like am I ever going to actually feel comfortable like 
going to a packed place and knowing people are like breathing on me because I'm I might be like I could get sick with something you know like I I, know. I think it really has really affected me so she asks about protocols the politics so for me like the protocol is like like until I get the all clear like I'm still going to be being pretty safe well am I a little more confident now to eat outdoors and like again now that it's getting hot yes Yes, I'm like going to be loosening up a little bit, but I'm still going to be masking. I'm, it's funny. I'm like, I really only want to hang out with most like, like even outdoors with like people that are also vaccinated, you know? Like, yeah, I, t- I, that's what we keep calling it. The velvet rope section of life. Yeah. Um, so she's just returning to in-person work. Um, she's a teacher. I mean, hopefully I mean, at this she point, should, wherever she lives, she should qualify. She should soon, qualify. Yeah. For sure. I don't know. Yeah, you're going to have families and students that aren't taking it seriously. And you're just going to have to like do your best to take precautions. Yeah. It's funny because even though like you'll – like I'm now worried about my kids, you know? Even though I know know they say like kids don't get it as bad usually, there is that that percentage of kids that have just that bad – reaction with their immune system over response and I don't really want to take a chance on that but I'm also just always scared about them getting some crazy sickness and it's just scary being a mom um I don't know I hope that's helpful and answered some of her stuff any other pandemic stuff that you think is helpful to tell our friend I mean I think some good advice that I got recently and like this is in general but also you can apply it specifically to pandemic stuff it's just like acknowledging all that we've been through in the last year and being gentle with yourself. Like when you start to like spiral out and be like, how am I going to handle all this? Like just be gentle. Um, Somebody said to me recently, you can't be too gentle with yourself. And I was like, you can't because like that to me, I'm like, don't baby yourself, like toughen up, like just deal with it. Um, So like hearing that reminder of like, no, you can never be too gentle with yourself really struck a chord with me. So like, like remember that. that. Be nice to you. What else do we got in my box? Um, Okay. Next, also from anonymous listener, they write, hey guys, I reached out to you two years ago with a question about friendship. Your advice was super helpful. So here is another one. I have a friend that I've known for over 10 years. We are extremely close, even though we haven't lived in the same country in seven years. We have traveled together and seen uh, each other every time we are in our hometown, and I have also visited her a few times in Sweden. I live in Finland. We have actually gotten closer during the couple of years in spite of the distance. We keep in touch via voice messages on WhatsApp. However, I'm often overwhelmed by the massive amount of messages that she sends me. We are talking multiple daily messages, sometimes 20 minutes of voice messages a day. I've clearly communicated that WhatsApp and social life is often exhausting to me since I'm an introvert. I would prefer calling at least sometimes, but I understand that it can be tricky since she has a two-year-old kid. It's not that I don't like her voice messages. I just can't handle so much, and I'm feeling that her... And I feel that I'm her diary at times. I know it sounds harsh, but I don't need a rapport from every trip to pick up her son or going to the store to feel close and connected to her. Every time I communicate this to her, she feels confused because I also say that I like our voice messages and we end up arguing. To me, it seems that if I don't want to hear about her multiple times a day, it translates to her that I'm not interested about her life. 
At the same time, she says that I don't have to listen to her messages straight away if it stresses me out. I have also explained that I can't really do that because I worry that she is opening up to me about something important, which she obviously sometimes is, since we go through all sorts of things. Her her things being, for example, miscarriage, problems in the relationship, and mine being broken up with, and mental health issues. I love her, but it seems that every time I try to express my needs, I end up hurting her. What can I do? It seems we don't talk in the same language when it comes to this topic. Love the rebrand and sending you all the good but COVID negative vibes. That's the best sign off ever. Um, yeah. Oh my God. What is up with voice messages? Because this, I've been getting them more and more from friends that all text. Really? I don't, that is not a thing for me. I don't do well, that. Thank God. Because I would hate it. Friends have like a Facebook group. So that's its own that's thing. That's true. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that, that is its own thing. Um, so I, I will text a friend sometimes and then they'll respond to me via voice message. And like, and every time I get one, I'm just like, I'm like, oh, like I have a couple, I have like three friends that do it and they're never that long. But like, even like the, like if it's like two minutes, two and a half minutes, I'm just like sitting there, like nobody wants to listen to a two and a half minute voicemail and they just feel like voicemails and they're like annoying and like right. I find voicemails really like annoying you know the appeal of text is like like you might have the tv on you might have music on <laughs> you might be outdoors if you know like listening to somebody speaking is not always the most convenient thing and it's funny like if it's something serious where things can get like misconstrued over text um like but you're like worried they're going to be like offended at or something like that. I understand. But it, this is like a weird behavior of this friend where if you're like talking into a void, which is kind of what like voice messages are about like your miscarriage and your relationship, your mental health needs, like you are treating this friend like she's your diary. And it's really not fair to put that on the friend to the point where they're stressed out that they need to listen to a voicemail or a voice message right away or they're worried it's going to be something important. I mean, if I was getting 20 minutes, I would literally just not listen to I would just stop listening and then if you there's no way. And then if you <laughs> and then if you were catching up and she's like, "Oh yeah, like blah blah blah." And you're like, "What are you talking about?" She'd be like, "Didn't I tell you on the voice message?" I'd be like, "Oh, sorry. I didn't get a chance to listen to it." And you don't have to say it in like a mean way. I would just like at some point she'll get the hint like, "Sorry, I didn't get a chance to listen to it. I was running around all day." And like to be honest, you've kind of explained that like voice messages are not your thing or I don't know, maybe you felt bad about saying it. So you haven't explained it really clearly. I don't think it's your fault, but what I would do is I would just truly just stop listening to them and like, be like, let me know when you want to catch up. I have like, you know, it's just so different having a mutual conversation that's back and forth for like 10 minutes or 20 minutes than listening to somebody's like multiple voice messages. It just feels like work that I I don't find them fun. You know, like I really don't enjoy the voice messages personally. Yeah. No one wants to be talked at. And yes, I mean, that's every now and then you're going to leave a voicemail because you have to leave a message about something important. But if you're, yeah, if you're just like monologuing into your phone for 20 minutes, that's not fun for your friend to listen to multiple times a day or week or whatever she said. Like, no. If this is a regular thing, it's too much. I looked at Nick's phone the other day, like, and I, and he, it had like a hunt, something like 80 or no, it was like 180 something, something like it was over 80 on unlistened to voice mess, message, voice, like voicemails. And I was like, yeah, I was like, Nick, 
you have how the hell do you have 86 or like unlisten to voice messages and he goes what i'm not i'm not gonna listen to those like i i see somebody called and i'll call them back and then well and then i'll find out me what they wanted to tell me and so people don't really leave me voicemail anymore because like nick said if someone calls i see that they called and i'm gonna call them back so like the only people that leave me voicemail are like my mom and like (laughs) older people in my family yeah half the time if i call a friend and they don't answer i'll just text them be like hey was just calling about like nothing important was just calling to say hi call me whenever and I'll like text that because it's like it takes them like two seconds to read that text versus like having to sit through like a 25 30 second like voicemail that I know is annoying to them so I would do one of two things I would just be like hey I kind of realize like I really just don't like I realize voice messages are just not a way that I enjoy communicating anymore so let's do like catch up phone calls we can like schedule those once a week or twice a week or you can text me. And she'll really quickly realize that like how fucking crazy it looks to like text paragraphs long of stuff, hopefully. So, it, you know, I would just tell her like, hey, if you could text it or let's schedule a phone call, but I don't want to do the voice messages. That's one option. Yeah. Option number two is like you truly just stop listening to them. And and then if she's like, why haven't you gotten back to me? Be like, I haven't had a chance to listen to those. Like, let me know if you want to catch up. And you that's a little more passive, but like she'll get the hint. I don't know. Do you agree with those two options? Those are good. And then I think another option that would be a little bit more of a compromise is just telling her if you're going to leave me voice messages, don't let's not talk about serious stuff in them because it's not like the appropriate forum to like, you know, you don't if somebody's talking about something as sensitive as their miscarriage, like that is really not the best place to be talking about it anyway. So she says she listens to them because she's afraid she's going to miss something important. So I think like maybe setting that boundary of like, let's not talk about serious stuff until we can actually like have a conversation about it like don't leave it on my voice message let's just talk about fun light things I agree I agree and you can even like cap the time if you don't want to tell her that you don't enjoy that mode of communication be like no more than two minutes a day like for, yeah. for real. or at least or you can only you'll be like I'll listen to two minutes you can leave me 20 minutes but I'm listening to the first two minutes and yeah then I'm out we hope that's helpful. Your friend is intense, and I'm sorry. Yes. Um, if any of you listeners want your questions answered, email us at contact at thisiswhythepodcast.com. You can also find all of our contact info on our website, thisiswhythepodcast.com, and you can also slide into our DMs, which is what most people have been doing lately, to send us their questions, and we dig that too. Next, we're going to talk about what's in the news, but first, let's thank our sponsors. We would like to thank our sponsor, BetterHelp. BetterHelp is professional counseling done securely online. Um, And, you know, I think that, like, counseling can be really great for a lot of things, but specifically for me lately, goal setting, just having somebody to hold you accountable for things that you want to get done is really helpful because it's kind of like that feeling of, oh, I haven't done my homework. I'm going to get in trouble with the teacher, but it's like, goals for yourself and your therapist. So if you are a person that is motivated like that, the way I am, it could be helpful to you. It's been helpful for me. So check out BetterHelp. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It is professional counseling done securely online. You send a message to your counselor anytime. You'll get timely and thoughtful responses. Plus you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions and it's all without ever having to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room, which is no fun ever, but especially in these 
crazy COVID times, BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches so they make it easy and free to change counselors if needed. Um, And that's really important because just like dating, you have to have chemistry with your counselor. So they make that super easy for you. Um, So if you want to start living a happier life today, as a listener, you're going to get 10% off your first month by visiting our sponsor at betterhelp.com slash this is why. Join over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health. Again, that's betterhelp.com slash this is why. We would like to thank our sponsor, Coors Light. Coors Light is the perfect cold refreshment for when you want to chill. Do you ever just feel like you're always on nowadays? Like there's just no moment to chill. I think we've all been working from home for a year, or at least a lot of us have been, and there are no more boundaries. We're just like always working and like we always have our computer open and our emails open and like we need that moment that represents like, okay, this is my chill time. I'm not working anymore. And for a lot of us, that can be open up, opening up an alcoholic beverage. For me, that I like to do that on the weekends, maybe even on the odd weeknight if I'm feeling crazy. So let uh, Coors Light do that for you. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottle and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold, which you know, Lauren, I think is just the coolest thing, no pun intended, uh, that way you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. It's uh, the perfect beer to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. All right, Angela, what have you you been reading this week? Well, you know, I love nostalgia and the New York Times wrote about um, how people are still buying VHS tapes. And I had quite the extensive collection of VHS back in the day. And little did you know how lucrative it could have been if you would have held on to that shit. I did hang on to it. So honestly, maybe I should sell my stuff because here's here's what people are getting. So do you remember the movie Kangaroo Jack? Absolutely not. So I vaguely <laughs> – it was 2003. I did go through a Jerry O'Connell phase. Uh, so maybe that's why I remember it. He was in it. It was a movie about a kangaroo. That's really all I remember about it. But uh, it's going for $190. On some Instagram Why? account that sells VHS tapes. Um, I know. And then a, a VHS tape that I do have, The Little Mermaid, apparently that is going for $45,000 on Etsy, which makes no sense to me. I don't, I don't understand. I'm, because those like the world like, is confusing. I would think that those aren't rare. Like every child that grew up in the late 90s or late 80s slash 90s would have had a Little Mermaid VHS. So why are they going for that much money? I don't know. But um, I will say- Is there stuff uh, in the original that like they've taken out maybe? I don't know. I mean, I guess it just has that certain like kind of grainy quality that you get from a VHS that brings people back to their childhood. Well, there is like the priest boner. Don't you remember the boner? There, I know. I do remember. So do you think they I took out the they boner? they that out. Yeah, but apparently mine had it. But I, I also – here's a funny little anecdote. I remember being a child and being people being like, oh, there's a penis on the cover of this 
thing. But like I really didn't know even what a penis would look like. So I remember just like staring at the cover and being like, You mean the castle? The penis. What is the penis? Yeah. (laughs) And like just being like, Yeah, yeah, I see it. But like not even knowing if I saw it or not. But they didn't like change the castle. I don't know. The boner, I could understand because that was like some disgusting animator. Like, I mean, there is a boner. Like, like without a doubt, there is a boner. So that's like some body. Okay, I'm looking at the castle. Yeah, there's definitely like a circumcised penis on the castle for sure. Well, maybe that is amping up the price. I don't know. But uh, it does. Yeah. I wonder if it's different. Ariel's under. Let me see. Let's see a little more. Okay, sorry. Tell us more about it while I look up this um, castle stuff. Well, they spoke to. They tried to get to the bottom of like what is the deal with this demand, and they spoke to someone named Matthew Booth, who is the owner of Videodrome in Atlanta, which is a VHS tape store, which like is so exciting that that still exists. And he said the general perception that people can essentially order whatever movie they want from home is flat out wrong. And I agree with Matthew Booth because you have no idea how often I've been like, I miss my DVDs. There are certain movies that I want to see that are just not streaming. And I got rid of all my DVDs. And now I like can't watch the movie French Kiss whenever I want to. So where- My favorite Meg Ryan film, not available streaming anywhere. I wish I had physical media that I could watch. Um, Would you be able – do you even have like a VHS player? My parents have a VHS player. Um, I got rid of my DVD player. So – but like the last time I tried to watch a VHS, it was very grainy. Like I think that they do have a sort of short shelf life. Like they start to deteriorate after a while. So I don't know – I don't know, like, what the quality is of these VHS that people are buying. Yeah. Okay. It does look like they maybe took the penis out. So that could be a thing. Um, Unclear. Unclear. Uh, interesting. Interesting. But, so. Yeah. I mean, if you have VHS tapes, you should Google what they're worth. Yeah. We all thought it was going to be the Beanie Babies, but no, it's the VHS tapes making us rich. Who would have known? Who would have known? What are you reading about? So I was reading the New York Times. This is an article by Tim Herrera. And he writes, remember, what you do is not who you are. It's funny. This is like a New York Times article. It's very like self-helpy. But it's important, I think, especially in today's times. He says the line between our personal lives and our work lives has all but disappeared. Make the effort to redraw it. So he says one of the best pieces of career advice he's ever gotten was to think of jobs as verbs rather than nouns. So, for example, I do journalism rather than I am a journalist. I do youth education rather than I am a teacher. And he says, yes, of course, you would never actually say that at a party, but it's more about like the mental shift that you that can help you disentangle who you are as a person from how you spend your days to make money for rent or groceries. Now, this is something I really struggle with because I like my career and what I do is a huge part of my identity. And I don't really know if I'll be able to like like I enjoy talking about work. I I'm like, yes, I'm fun around my friends, but like I don't know, I it's really it would be it's really hard for me to separate myself as a creative person that's ambitious, that likes is always trying to have new projects that I'm doing away from like me as just like Laura Lane and especially when I was, you know, having kids that I was like, oh god, I don't I need to make sure I, you know, have still career stuff going on. I need some other identity out of just being like Laura Lane mom. 
So I really struggle with this personally, but he says, if everything you have on your life is focused on work, it means your entire life rides that roller coaster. And this is true because career has such high highs and such low lows and, and there nobody else. I know that like nobody else in my life, like they'll get excited if something exciting is happening, but they're not like, Oh, you know, Laura's not hot right now with her career. Like, <laughs> you know, she's not as cool. It's definitely all in my head, you know? And it's like my roller coaster that I'm writing. But like for me, I need like these little tiny wins. Like I need the new book deal. Like I need to feel like, okay, like what's like some landmark thing with our podcast? Okay, what's a new journalism piece that I have coming out? Like I I need like little tiny goals and I need to be setting them to feel accomplished. Like I have an ident- ident- identity. Do you struggle with this at all? I do. And I think like I like the idea of like thinking of them as verbs rather than nouns because I also think that that when you frame it that way, it's like something that is a skill that you have that you always have regardless of what your job is. Maybe that appeals to me as someone who has no job right now who is in the market for a job because I think that like for me sometimes I feel like if I'm not being paid for the skills that I have, they just like don't matter anymore. And like being reminded like it's it's like a skill that you have. It's not who you are. So it's like a skill that is always with you. It's still valuable even if you're not, you know. I like that if a lot. If I'm not uh, being paid to be a writer, I can still write. I like that know? a lot. I can relate to that, especially like this past year, a lot – like some of the creative jobs I've taken on. I was telling Nick last night, I'm like, I'm a volunteer of the arts. <laughs> like I, I've been like – uh, and like, like a lot of it is, is cool. Like I've been volunteering writing for this like activist website and it's stuff that is very rewarding personally. And I feel like I'm doing good, but I'm not getting paid. So like you said, like having the skill set is not always about the paycheck. So he writes, if you're conscientious and you like what you do, it's very easy to get your identity all tied up with your job and not just the job itself, but the idea of yourself as someone who's really good at what you do. And that's a very powerful thing. And, uh, you know, centering your life on a job may even make you act against your own self-interest and happiness, perhaps by working longer hours or, or accepting behavior you normally wouldn't. I can really relate to that because I stayed working at magazines that had become such a toxic work environment for me way longer than I needed to because I felt like I have this cool job, like all these people, you know, like it's like Laura Lane, the reporter. I'm like always covering the Super Bowl and I'm covering these award shows and I'm interviewing all these celebrities. And like, if I don't have that, like, who am I? What do I do? And I just stayed longer than I should have, like longer than it was like healthy for me to stay at these jobs that were, had gotten just like really toxic. And I felt like the work I was doing, I was no longer proud of a lot of it. And, um, you know, there's some stuff I was proud of, but it was like the magazines just got so scummy at the end that it was like, I, this is not why I went to journalism school and I just stayed too long. So so many people, myself included, are constantly doing things because they're worried about what like they think, whoever they are. And it's like, yeah, like you said, ultimately everybody's worried about themselves. Very few people are actually thinking about you and like your accomplishments and what you're doing. And yet I think so many people are motivated to stay in a bad situation because they're like, oh, like I need this as like a status thing. I, I you know, I want, I care about what For sure. Think. And that was like, that's like a wake up call that I think a lot of people need that I needed. Like not 
most people don't give a fuck about me as much as like I think they do. They're not thinking right. about me all the time. They're not thinking about like, has Laura posted anything career wise on Instagram in a while? Like, <laughs> like how many articles has Laura published this year? Like nobody cares. Like, like nobody's like Laura's book came out, you know, a year ago. What has she done that the last year? I don't really know. Like, but nobody there's a difference cares. between like logically knowing that, but like spiritually believing that because logically no no one gives a fuck but still we always have that voice in our head i like and i forget i'll be like oh does your does your husband still work at the times you know and she'll be like no he quit that job like three four years ago i'm like oh okay cool and like i don't care you know like it's like that was the last cool job i remembered him having but now he's let some like place i've never heard of and like i do i still want to like go on a double date with them yeah of course I don't care like I don't I don't care what they do you know and like a lot of my friends that have done like cool things it's like great yeah they they did this now they're doing something different and like and and that's great so yeah I guess the takeaway is also like people don't care about you as much as you think they do in a good way that should in take a good way yeah. in a good way <laughs> and on that note it is time for our topic of the week This week is our 300th episode special. 300 episodes in podcast years is like 600. I don't know. It's 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 a lot. It's 600. It's just double. <laughs> it just doubles. It just doubles. Um, I truly can't believe we've done that many episodes, especially, and I know we've said this a bunch, that we planned on doing 30 episodes, which that's how many chapters were in our book, right? 30? That's right. After, we, after 30, we had to start coming up with new ideas. So we were like, we're out after 30. But then it turns out that like you there's a million things you can talk about when it comes to dating. And then even if you're not talking about dating, there's even more more things you can talk about if you're talking about literally everything in life. So our first episode was based on one of our book chapters. It came out uh, July 30th, 2015. It was called You Call Dibs on Everyone. And that was about that chapter in our book. And that episode was about how stupid it is when you get mad at a friend uh, for like go, you know, maybe dating or like flirting with a guy that you thought was cute at a bar first. And it was like, you can't call dibs on people. That's like not really fair because they might not be that into you. And like, you kind of just have to see like who connects, right? Is that a good recap of our chapter in that episode? Yeah. And I think almost six years later, I feel like that theme has reoccurred in lots of listener questions we've gotten. So it is an evergreen conundrum. For sure. And sometimes it actually is like very borderline where it's like, hmm, can your friend date someone that like you had like a deep crush on? Like, oh, that's actually could get a little tricky. Like, well, how serious was your crush? And like, yeah, if how much there's history your... there, there is an asterisk. There's an asterisk. <laughs> but then sometimes it's like, oh, well, shit, like maybe they really your friend and this person really are just like meant to be. And like, who are you to stop destiny? So it can get real complicated, but we were keeping it just very much like you can't just be at a bar and like see every hot guy and be like dibs, 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 dibs. Right. But now we have over 4.5 million downloads. We have become DM pals with a lot of our listeners. Uh, we, it's been, it's been, I don't know. How, how do you, I don't even know how to like talk about the last 300 episodes and like all of the emails we've gotten and the, the, people we've met along the way all of the I guests mean, yeah, it's with the exception of that man trying to buy photos of my feet 
I have been so happy to uh, chat with all of our listeners and hear about their lives. And yeah, we've had like lots of really cool adventures as a result of this podcast. It's been great. So we thought we would talk about some of our podcast memories. This is in no way ranked and it's no way totally like it's not definitive. It's not. Yeah. All encompassing. It was literally just what came up the top of our head. So yeah. So go, go for it. Okay. So Number one podcast memory, Scott Rogowski was on the show twice and he dated one of our listeners. And then he like blew up right after being our our I think he was our first repeat guest. Yeah. Then he got really popular on his little quiz app. What was that called? I don't remember. See, things like they come and go. Though the app was like <laughs> the app was literally like you would go anywhere, you'd be like at a bar or a restaurant, and then um it was It was that, hot. It and then like you could make real money if you if you got the questions correct, um, everyone and, in my office played it, uh, and all of a sudden you'd be at a restaurant, and all of a sudden you would look around, and everybody would have their phone app playing this app. Um, it was called HQ Trivia. It was a yes, mobile game HQ show, Trivia. and then and then it, you know, just like MySpace, it's I don't think it like no longer exists, or if it does, it's no longer a thing. Thing, although it would have been right. great for quarantine time. It would have been. been. They really fun. missed their moment, but you know, Scott doing well. I think uh, he does like. I think he's like a sports broadcaster now. But how did he end up dating one of our listeners? Um, He was on the show and one of our listeners slid into his DMs. And I believe she lived in Canada. So Scott crossed borders to be with her. Very exciting. Okay. Yeah. Memory number two, our South by Southwest trip. We did two of these. One was really great. The second one we opened for another show that everybody wanted to see more than us. And – that show was not so great, but our first time we perf- I mean, both both South by Southwest trips were were really really fun. But our first one was just so exciting because we had never performed a live show, and like people were so excited to see us. Like I don't know the way the rundown we did was just great for a live audience. We were out the and about. first one inflated our ego. The second one brought us down to earth for sure. <laughs> you could say that. Um, we got to. Ha- hold a ferret at the first one and I had never been we to did. I had never been to South by Southwest or Austin. It was very exciting. So it was cool that our podcast brought us to South by Southwest once, twice. After our number two dud, we did not get asked back. But <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. That's okay. Just like you- my just like my news story of the week says, like I don't I I I do podcasting. I am not a podcast. That's right. And you know what? You want to go out on top. And if you can't go out on top, go out in the middle because who knows? The third show might have been really bad. So we we walked away sure. in the middle. Um, okay. What else do we got? Um, number three, we had a few crazy guys write in about how women change when they're married. Do you remember uh, those yeah. douchebags? Straight men love to write in and tell us uh, what we should be telling single women about um, about what they think and uh, how they shouldn't become like shrewy. Like I, well, I remember that one guy was like, "Oh, they act all fun when they're single, and then you marry them, and they don't want to go hunting with you anymore." Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and we're so- like, this is so relatable. Um, number four, Angela. Got engaged finally, but she talked about it for like a year on the show. And all I got to say is like, I'm not making fun of you because 
thank God I didn't have a podcast the whole year before I was engaged or like the same thing would have happened because I was like, when the fuck is it happening? It's been five and a half years. Oh, well, I see. I thought you meant I just talked like it was year. I've been engaged for years, so I've been talking about it for years. But yeah, there was a whole period of time leading up to getting engaged. That's what I was was talking talking about. about. I was talking about like when you were like, when is it happening? Like, when am I getting engaged? Like, And here I am in 2021 and I'm still like, when is it happening? No, but now at least we have a a wedding date, but still not married. Um, What else do we have on the show? Or, uh, or on the show. What else do we have as a memory? On memory lane. Uh, Stassi was on the show. Stassi from Vanderpump Rules. Uh, and uh, she genuinely read our butch book. To both we of our shocked, shocked by. To both of Absolutely our sh- shocked by. Shocked. Um, I had never watched Vanderpump Rules before when we met her. But I had lots of friends who were like, oh, my God. Stassi is a character. And then we Googled her and we saw her punch another girl and we were like so scared. (laughs) We were nervous. We were very nervous for the recording. We were going to be, I think, did she have a show yet? We were on her show. Yeah, She did. We we were on her show. That's right. We were on her show. She was on ours. And she had completely, to her credit, like completely out, we prep, we prep for our show. She had completely out prepped us. She had read our entire book had like questions, referenced pages, and we were just totally blown away. And we were just so scared of getting punched in the face, but also <laughs> like having a dr- drink thrown at us. Uh, yeah, that we were like, <laughs> we we kept it light, but we also, I think the topic was like, what was the topic that we had for her? It was something oh kind of like frou-frou-y that she, I don't think she found it offensive, but she wasn't like, oh, it was about FOMO. So it was about like fear of missing out. And she like, very much like was like I do not have FOMO like I like staying home and I like and we were like okay we're just like trying to have fun <laughs> and like we all get FOMO here. maybe pretend maybe pretend um but then at some point she got like canceled is she still canceled or is she not uncanceled is it uh, un- is it unclear she um she did some questionable stuff for sure but she had a baby I know that so it I'm seems- sure the baby's nice. Yeah, the baby looks really cute. <laughs> um, uh, I do know I, – I don't remember the details of her cancellation because I don't really follow Bravo stuff. But I'm going to assume that it was for a worthy reason. But I will say I do know that she also had a, a COVID-canceled wedding. So in that sense – Solidarity. Solidarity. All right. What else do we got in our memory lane? Um, What else? Okay. The time we helped a couple get engaged at Disneyland, which is the – last place that I think either one of us would want to get engaged. But we were still able to make it special for other people, which makes us good planners. I remember us throwing out some kind of ridiculous uh, ways for him to do it. I think we were like, propose on the roller coaster. And then if you lose the ring, they'll pay for a a better one, which was a lie. Disney would not do that. Yeah. Why did we tell him that? We didn't even know that. I don't know. Um, But that was fun. I felt like it's been really cool being a part. I guess that's representative of being playing a huge part in our listeners' lives, which sometimes they've come to us to plan like major milestones. Which that is, was, and we crazy. and then we sent a a book, I believe, to the the girl like knew that she was going to get proposed to, and she wanted to have a gift for the guy. She wanted our book, which just felt so crazy. I was like, I feel so uncomfortable being su- playing such a large part of like this huge but milestone. But I felt so honored. Yeah, honored for sure. Okay. It, it was very cool. That, that's one of my favorite 
podcast stories, I would say. That was fun. Number seven, the time we had to prepare for our sex coach guest, Kenneth Play, by watching porn together. And it was <laughs> like we had to go to pornhub.com and like watch him give a lesson on like fingering a girl and master and like and like it was like it was research but it's like so hard to watch something so graphic and like it was like it was like I was not turned on but I was but then I was with my friend and it was research it was just very uncomfortable I think that we wound up just kind of fast forwarding I mean I do think we saw the money shot we saw the end like she she did squirt and he did but have, I think we might have fast forwarded for sure. And he did have great advice that I really stand by. That's just like all men think that like clits are like penises and they just go real fast. Like right. and you just need they, they like and jerk it. They jerk it. It's like <laughs> calm down, like stop going so fast. Like you're gonna like you get numb. And so and he was all about like I think like clockwise and just like very slow. And I don't know. You can go back and listen to our episode or just Google or not but like look up, well, go- look up don't google it if you're at work yeah go to kenneth play well now you're working from home so you can google it but yeah, uh what else your personal computer <laughs> what else we have <laughs> um the guest who spelled janet with an x we had a, a guest named janet pele is that how you said i don't even know how to say her last name but yep, her yep, first yep. name was spelled x-a-n-e-t but pronounced janet and it just like which was but just staring at it in the rundown i was like i was like except Exonet, ex exon. Even though I knew it was Janet, it was so. Hard. I was like, "What stupid parents named their spelled their child's name this way?" Uh, she was a sex coach, living an orgasmic life. Um, her name just baffled my brain. Bl- yeah, baffled my brain. And, and now you are in the position of naming a child coming into this world. So yeah. you might want to throw in some random <laughs> consonants. <laughs> Okay, number nine, the TMI stuff we've shared that we are glad our significant others and family don't listen, you know, have not listened to. Um, I I don't even, yeah, just like everything. Like if I'm meeting, if I'm meeting parents of one of Rilo's friends and they're like, and somehow podcasting comes up and it like comes up that I have a podcast, they're like, oh, what's it called? I'll check it out. And my first thing is, please don't, please don't. Like you are the parents of my... <laughs> of my like please please do not listen to my show i (laughs) love the like intimate and deep relationship i have with the void of strangers but and and there's like a couple cool friends like my friend matt listens and like that's fine because i don't know he's just like he can know everything about me because he's just a non-judgmental like cool dude and he's my buddy and i know that he listens and so it's not weird but if anyone else in my life listens to the show it makes me very uncomfortable well especially if it's somebody that you're just getting to know like if it's somebody new in your life that's like not how I would want them to get to know me by listening to the podcast because I am I am me but I like I'm a more maybe like slightly more vulgar is vulgar the right word or like I I just wouldn't I wouldn't be talking about like dicks and slowly masturbating a clitoris like when I'm hanging out with parents of my like my son of my son's friend you know what I mean I mean I might be I don't know but like yeah the weird thing about this is like it's like we say it and then it gets locked into this episode and it's saved forever and conversations are meant to be more fluid so like I 
maybe I say something, but I didn't say the whole thought, you know, maybe for some reason I got distracted and then like you get the wrong idea, you know? It's just like it's a weird form of getting to know someone, weird form of communication. Um, But I will say I've gotten better about um, in terms of sharing about other people, making sure I get permission for certain things first. Like I asked Ian if it was okay to share that he got the vaccine because of his BMI, whereas like before I might not have asked his permission. Um, I remember one of our earliest episodes, uh, like in one episode I mentioned that he was half deaf and then in another one I mentioned that he had a little stutter and then he – oh, and then in another one we talked about <laughs> me liking like chubby guys and he was like, all these descriptions, you're making me sound like Quasimodo and like your, <laughs> your listeners don't know me and they're going to think I'm like an animal. And I was like, okay, well, when you put it that way, okay, maybe you're right. And I, I've learned how to edit myself. Great. <laughs> uh, oh my god you're so funny <laughs> and ian is not quasimodo he's very handsome um he just has a high bmi uh finally <laughs> he's he, he's here by the way guys he's staring at me oh god, and he approves of everything that i'm saying okay what's um, our last t- memory this is not like top 10 10 10 10 but it's final it memory to be not the yeah not the be all end all but final memory for this episode is the times we've decided to end the podcast because we want to go out on a high and then we don't because we get a nice email we just keep coming back for more literally you don't even understand how many times this happened we were like you know what we need to end on a hundred episodes and then we're like you know what three years because we don't want to just like go out on an arbitrary number that just feels weird or like it it will be a round number whenever we end (laughs) or or not a round number but like a round year it'll be some kind of landmark and because there's so many other podcasts that just end because they have a falling out and like Angela and I are not having a falling out anytime soon and so or or they just end because I don't know there's some kind of controversy or something and we're like that's not gonna be fucking up like we or, or they end because they're not OCD and they're like we'll just end on a random number that, <laughs> but not us that's true that's probably more accurate like we're just OCD so we've been like okay three years three years we're going out and then the three years is approaching we're like this is kind of fun and then we'll get an email from someone being like you changed my whole life (laughs) like and then we'll be like we can't and now we're saving lives um so we just keep on extending and now we've been doing the show since since this is the 300th episode so since july 30th 2015 and it's 2021 now we're pushing six years 300 episodes like that's batshit. Yeah, I, I definitely do not think that six years ago we would have ever imagined that we would still be doing the podcast, let alone doing it virtually. We've been through so much. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I think we have a few more episodes left in us. So thank you guys for listening yeah, we, and we keep continuing ex- to listen. We keep extending. We're like, okay, six years, but we're not really going to be ready to be done in July. So we're like, Okay, so we're like seven years, maybe seven years. And then we'll let you know. We'll probably ex- keep extending it. But for now, I think that's our like number in our head, maybe. Yeah. At the very least, you guys will get to hear about the new baby and my eventual wedding. wedding. You know, we'll have we'll, – we'll, we'll uh, wrap up some of our cliffhangers, you know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, <laughs> like uh, a scripted series. Exactly. Um, well, that's it. I mean – Honestly, just huge thank you to anybody that listens to our show and has told other people about it. And it's been such a wild, crazy, unexpected ride for us and a lot of really, really fun memories. And thank you. Yeah. The only reason that we do this is really for our, 
uh, because of the engagement of, of our listeners. So thank you. That is it yeah. for this week's This Is Why podcast. Check out our book, This Is Why You're Single, my book, Cinderella and the Glass Ceiling and Other Feminist Fairy Tales. They are available everywhere you can get books. <clears throat> yes, and you can get hooked up with discounts from all of our sponsors. For full list of sponsors and the coach, check out our podcast page on thisiswhythepodcast.com. We are also on social, so you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at thisiswhypodcast. Please like and subscribe on iTunes. And thank you for listening. Tune in next week for a whole new show. Bye. Bye. This is why, this is why, pop culture, politics, friendship, dating, work, parenting, news. This is why, the podcast. That was a HeadGum Podcast. <laughs>